We're saying hello, but the Sixers are saying goodbye to the bubble. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of On a Couch in Delco. I'm Tom, and with me, as always, my co-host, Mike. Told you guys it was going to be a sweep. Tom talked me into a game three win for the Sixers, and that that never came to fruition. So, the sweep it was, Tom. Yeah, I at least thought they were going to get that pity game four win, but uh, I, I think – I changed that position after I started to see how the series started to play out. And I just thought there was going into game four today, there was obviously I didn't see any chance of the Sixers being able to beat the Celtics, even when uh, they got up to a a fairly decent lead early. I think they were up a couple points. I just knew that there was only a matter of time before uh, the Celtics took the game and, and really started to pour it on after Tobias Harris did go down today. Uh, with a pretty nasty uh, – fell and landed on his head. Pretty nasty bump. I think had a cut over his eye. Uh, if, if it wasn't for the Sixers medical staff, he probably did have a concussion as well. But ended up uh, entering the game again uh, to close out the Sixers season. And maybe, Mike, to close out the tenure of Brett Brown, there's been a lot of talk today just that uh, – there's not a lot of momentum uh, for Brett Brown uh, leading this team uh, heading into next year. So I know we talked about it a couple of times that Brett Brown needed to go. Maybe things are starting to trend that way. What's your thoughts there? Yeah, uh, I certainly hope so. Obviously, we started off with a little goodbye stranger from Supertramp, and our stranger is Brett Brown. Um, so we, we – we here on uh, on on a couch and Delco podcast are officially saying goodbye to Brett Brown because it needs to happen. Um, not only do we have to say goodbye, stranger, aka Brett Brown, we have to say goodbye to Mary. Uh, I'm I'm gonna give Mary uh, the I'm gonna give Elton Brand the Mary title, and I'm gonna give Jane I'm gonna give that the title of uh, Al Horford and Tobias Harris, even though he did go down with it. Obviously, that was he had to have been concussed. That was one of the craziest falls I've ever seen in my life. It came out giant bandage on his head, uh, just looked terrible. But all those guys need to go, um, including I think everybody in the front office. I think the Sixers need to clean house. I mean, I think the Sixers need to need to get rid of the owner too. But obviously, that can't happen unless he decides to to sell the Sixers. But uh, it needs to be a complete house cleaning. Um, I mean, you have your superstar player in Joel Embiid today saying that, you know what, I really wanted to finish my, my career and retire a 76er, but, but now if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, oh, well, I'll move on. Uh, that, that's not really something you want to hear from who, who, in my opinion, should be the best center in basketball. Everybody says he's the best center in basketball. He did – I'll give Joel this. He he averaged something like 32, 30, 33 points um, throughout, throughout the uh, four games that the Sixers were in the playoffs. And I think he was somewhere close to maybe averaging 15 rebounds. Um, the, he, he played he played his ass off. I'll give him that. Uh, but, but you can't have your star player coming out and saying, ah, if I leave, I leave. If I stay, I stay. I mean, what, what does that tell you? Um, yeah. but, but one thing it tells me is Jimmy Butler is right in my yeah, eyes. I think there is just uh, something bad from the tone at the top uh, in their Sixers organization. And it really, I think, comes down to 
who was responsible for constructing this roster this year and putting this team out? There was a lot of question marks going into the season as to, all right, you're, you're going to play all these bigs. And how is this really going to work out, this bully ball that they were going to do? And they said, well, we're really built for playoff basketball. Well, the playoffs come around, and we find ourselves in a very similar situation, even a worse situation, losing to the Celtics, which it seems like has happened quite a few times in Brett Brown's tenure, uh, haven't been able to get past the Celtics in the playoffs. But if you think about who is responsible for this roster construction, and that's where the, really the problem comes down, is it Brett Brown? Is it Elton Brand? Are, are it these other, you know, kind of assistant GMs that are more the technical guys and Elton Brand is really the ambassador? There's so much ambiguity as to really who is responsible within the Sixers organization that I think the best way to handle it is really to just clean house. Absent there being that one throat to choke in this organization, which they lack, I think you do need to clean out everybody. Brett Brown is more the face of everything, and I think some – couple of hit pieces came out today on Brett Brown saying he was the one that was responsible for wanting to get rid of Jimmy Butler and certain players that came through. Uh, he had his favorites. He was more the guy uh, looking to sign Al Horford. So, you know, definitely the hit pieces were out on, on Brett Brown today, trying to throw him as being the scapegoat for everything. And trust me, Brett Brown is, is not without blame. You saw some of his just end of game, maneuvering and, and calls just didn't make a lot of sense sometimes the team never really got better they were always frustrating when it came came to turnovers and things like that in the game so this is by no means to kind of back Brett Brown in any way but if you're just getting rid of Brett Brown and you're not getting rid of Elton Brandon you're not really cleaning out that whole basketball operations within the Sixers I think we're going to find ourselves in a very similar position yeah, I mean, firing Brett Brown to me would be like having a crack in the Hoover Dam that went from the top of the dam to the bottom, and it was leaking everywhere, and, and they got like a, one of those little uh, Paw Patrol Band-Aids and put it right in the center and said, this is going to fix it. it it's not. It, it's not even going to come close to fixing it. They need some high-quality flex steel, like the yeah. commercial says. That's what you need to fix this. So just some high-quality uh, flex deal for the 76ers right now. Yeah, and you know what? It, the coach that comes in, the GM that comes in, uh, all the other pieces that have to come in, I don't even really have to know the name. Like everybody say, oh, bring in Tyron Lue. I don't want Tyron Lue. I want, I want like a – I want a, a fresh face. So someone who who's not going to come – I mean – when Brett Brown came, correct me if I, I say this wrong, he was billed the, the next greatest coach because he was Popovich's assistant for 10 years. He was the next great basketball coach. He was the greatest mind coming out. He was just going to have to lose for a few years. Well, he ended up losing for seven years. And if you remember, it took a while to sign Brett Brown because Brett Brown was so highly thought of at the time that there were reservations as to whether Brett Brown was actually going to leave the Spurs and sign with the Sixers because mm -hmm. of how highly regarded uh, he was in the NBA circles. He was also, the, I believe, the head coach for Team Australia at one point yeah. or, or is at least involved in Something like that, the, yeah. the Australian uh, basketball, their national team. Him and Ben Simmons, that. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's just it's just time to clean house for the Sixers again. I mean, I'm not saying we're starting the whole process over or something like that again, but you know what? After Hinky left, the, the shit hit the fan for the Sixers. It wow. was that's that's when it all went downhill when when the NBA said they got to get rid of him and bring in the Colangelos and and we know where that went and now we're where we're at. And he set up this team, Hinky on a golden platter for the Colangelos. Mm-hmm. Golden platter with, with, with diamonds on the outside and, and some, like, platinum somewhere within that platter as well. Colangelo didn't do anything to really make this team any better. He had some questionable moves, including uh, the burner accounts that he had on Twitter. Uh, and, and then Elton Brand coming over. I know we were pretty hyped about the Jimmy Butler trade, and I still think that was a good deal. Yeah, we're sitting in the flyer stands. We, we we broke the news to everybody. You you were the one screaming, "We love you, Jimmy Butler!" And everybody was talking about it on the radio afterwards. That was us. That was on a couch in Delco podcast. We broke the news during the Flyers one o'clock matinee against the Flames. Maybe it was. It was the Blackhawks. Blackhawks. I knew it was a Western team. It was close. There you go. But, yeah, I think that was a good move, the Tobias move, especially now the way you're seeing uh, Landry Shamit play. Uh, that was a questionable move. And then I think after this offseason, as you said, Jimmy Butler was right. Just this offseason in general, letting Jimmy go, re-signing Tobias Harris to pretty much a max deal, and then signing Al Horford to a, a large deal as well has really just taken this team 10 steps back to the point, Mike, where there probably is only one man that can save this 76ers franchise. How would you feel about having Sam Hinkie back? I would love it. I I would love if they did that. Isn't he working for like an NFL team or something? I know he was doing something. I know he's doing a lot of speaking on the West Coast and everything like that. He does do that. He doesn't really tweet out too much anymore, so I really haven't heard from him. I, I, I thought I heard he was going into a different league or something like that, but I would, I would love to have him back because you know what? He, he saved the Sixers franchise only to see Adam Silver then send it back into oblivion. Yeah. And we're and, now witnessing that now. And and this isn't more, I mean, maybe they can bring him back because this isn't more a, you don't have to necessarily tear everything down and get the draft picks because you, you do have two superstars that you can build around. Yeah. Joel Embiid and, and Ben Simmons. And hopefully a coach that comes in is maybe maybe less of a player-friendly coach and somebody that's a little bit more uh, firm can mm-hmm. do a little bit better in, in making sure that Ben Simmons and, and Joel Embiid uh, improve their game. But maybe now you're talking more of like a turnaround. How do you get out of that Horford contract? How do you get rid of Tobias Harris? Flip those players for some assets. Maybe you're not in a full tanking situation but you're able to, to leverage, get more assets, and try and rebuild this team back up. I see that as, as the one answer. I would definitely be excited to see Sam Hinkie back. Do I think it happens? Most likely not, but, hey, I can wish, right? I'll put a bet down on it. And I'll, I'll give you that. If, if, that, if there's something that, that comes out in a Vegas sports book somewhere and I can make a phone call and put a $5, $5 bet down on it, I'll do it. I mean, why, why not? I would love to see him back. That, that would I, be... I don't know if a Vegas sports book is taking your call for a $5 bet, Mike. I'm just saying. Well, whatever it is, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I wish they would put that kind of stuff, like, on FanDuel, like like those kind of cool bets. 
Um, and I, and I'll, I'll talk about why I'm on FanDuel now. I just broke the news already, but I, I'll talk about it in depth when we get closer to our when we get to our bet segment. But yeah, I'll, if if we were able to do that, who's going to be the next Sixers GM? Uh, why not? Uh, that'd be cool. They have pools and stuff like that for um, where free agents are going to land. So why not where who the next GM is going to be? Absolutely. Got to wait for it to happen first. I know I've been furiously trying to refresh Twitter tonight, <laughs> making sure, seeing if the news uh, will come out of this. But maybe by the time our listeners are listening to this pod, uh, maybe the news is already out. But not looking good for the future for, for Brett Brown. Uh, but certainly, hopefully, it's a new era for the Philadelphia 76ers. I know there's one name, Mike, and I do want to bring it up. A lot of people are going to be talking about uh, should absolutely be the next head coach of the Sixers. And I can pretty much say I would put money on the, will Jay Wright be the next head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers? I would put the money on uh, the no there. I think a lot of talk is Brian O'Neill with the Sixers is a Villanova alum. So obviously there's a connection there with Jay Wright. I don't even know if Brian O'Neill is going to be uh, with the Sixers if they really do a, a thorough job of, of cleaning house there. But Jay Wright, I just don't see him at this point taking a look at this Sixers team and, and wanting anything to do with it. So he, he's coming off two national championships within the last five years. His recruiting class for the 2020-2021 season, he has like the, they're already ranked in the top three going into this season and have a recruiting class for the 2021-2022 season. That's one of the tops in the NCAA. I think he is – not right now. I think if, if maybe a year or two ago when the Sixers were at least trending a little bit upward before they made some of the, the moves that they made, maybe. Sixers, the one thing that they lack is, is just guard play. And we can talk about this series in general. I mean, that have a lot of bigs, but just terrible guard play. And that's what really Jay's system, uh, the guards and the wings is what Jay's system really, really thrives on. I think he can be an NBA coach, but I see him not wanting anything near this 76ers head coaching gig. No, not yet. Um, but I, I think the only job Jay Wright leaves Nova for is the Sixers. I don't think he leaves Philadelphia. Unless somebody backs up the truck with like $20 million a year, like 10, 15 years down the road. But I, I think I, – I do think Jay Wright could be an awesome NBA coach, but why leave? Like, what, what, what's the point? Absolutely. And he is that – he is tough on players. So, you, you hear some of the guys that are in the NBA now, uh, Kyle Lowry and everything. Jay Wright is not really that that player's coach. He, he will get on guys. So, he is somebody that I think from that aspect would be a good fit for the Sixers team. But I Maybe think if Mikael Bridges was here. <laughs> well, that's, that's another move that you can talk about that – uh, really, especially the way Mikael Bridges was playing in the bubble for the Suns. That's another bad move. But we got Zaire. Yeah, him and uh, Markel's down in uh, Orlando actually playing well now. And Everything points that everybody in the Sixers needs to be let go. But I, I like you said, I, I don't think we can sit here on uh, Sunday night at 942 and keep refreshing Twitter, and it's going to happen. It'll happen once they get back from the bubble. I know they have to leave, like, immediately. Isn't that the word that, that the NBA puts out? Teams have to have to uh, 
vacate the, the premises immediately. Sounds like they're literally there. Their bags are packed by some like people in black suits and stuff like that. They, they get their, uh, they get their hindquarters out of there, but it'll Brett happen Browns. either Monday morning, Tuesday morning. Brett Brown's park passes are probably already deactivated. Can't, can't, <laughs> can't, even, even, go to, get can't even go to see Epcot fireworks with a light show. Uh, no, he is done. Absolutely, he he can't. They can't do anything. They can't even get room service. Their phones are disconnected now. <laughs> oh, poor Sixers! But you know what? I, I I'm seeing what happened. With, I, I I can't even say the Phillies. I was going to say the Phillies first. I don't even know why I was going to say that. Seeing what happened with the Eagles cleaning house with Chip Kelly, bringing in uh, Dougie P and winning the Super Bowl. Uh, the Flyers cleaning house with Hack and and Haxy, um, and and bringing in Vignal and and, and uh, Chuck Fletcher. Um, I I have a little bit of hope because two out of three to move so far, ain't bad like Meatloaf said. Um, so hopefully the the Sixers next cleaning house can be just as productive as the Flyers and and the Eagles were. Absolutely, and you still do have. Two superstars, and, and mm-hmm. I think they are. Can they get better? Yes. And is it frustrating that you look at a team like the Celtics, who seem who have also young talent that seems to be getting better year after year? And if you look at Joel and you look at Ben, they're not really doing the same. It gets frustrating, but they are high quality players. They are superstars in this league, and you can put some players around them. It'll be interesting to see what a new coach thinks of. Ben Simmons, I, I would at least keep Ben and Joel one more year with the new coach, see what kind of team you can put around them, see if those players respond to the new coaching before making kind of any decisions on those two players. I know a lot of people, especially if you read on social media, it's we need to trade Ben, we need to trade Joel, we need to get rid of both these guys. I would put a pause on it for a year. Let's see what the new coaching staff, let's see what hopefully a new uh, basketball operation structure, what kind of team they can put around these guys to make it work. What do you think of that, Mike? Yeah, I, I'm on the camp and not getting rid of either of them. Um, like you said, at least at least for, for next year, maybe even two years now. Um, but it, it, it's, it's tough for me with, with Ben because I, I get very frustrated with the way he plays. And if he's supposed to be this point forward – He's supposed to have the ball. He needs to at least shoot. Like, I don't even want him to shoot 20 times a game. Shoot five to ten times a game. Do something. You just, in my eyes, you can't win with a guy who's going to have the ball the majority of the time and be not not even reluctant to shoot, just flat out refuse to shoot. Um, Anywhere from three, mid-range, I mean, I know he does that, that little jumper now that he has now. I don't even count that as a jumper. His feet don't even come off the ground. Um, but, yeah, Joel, like I said, he should be the best center in basketball. Um, but he's not because he, he plays like a point guard that doesn't have the ball. He really plays like a shooting guard. He hoist up threes. Today he hit a friggin' three at the end of the game. I, I, bet, the, I bet the under 215 and a half. He hit that three and it hit two sixteen. <laughs> so he I even think, screwed me there. <laughs> I also think that had a play into the overall spread for the game. I think the spread for the game was uh, six and a half. So yeah. I, I think that uh, 
played <laughs> into that as well. Yeah, that was that was a terrible shot all around. But yeah, I'm in the camp. Keep them. Joel um, Embiid doesn't care about your bets. Yeah, Joel doesn't care. Just like uh, what running back was it? He was like, I don't, I don't give a rat's ass about your fantasy team. I just play for my team or something like that. Oh, it seems like it's every running back in the NFL. Yeah, they all but it, Brian Westbrook came out. Remember the the one game? I forget, it might have been against the Giants. He was running to the end zone and he fell over. He came back and apologized like twelve years later. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty funny. But yeah, I, I'm in the camp of keep both both Jaw and, and no shoot Ben um, for at least the next year. But it really, really is going to depend on what this new, hopefully, GM slash coach slash entire front office um, can do with the roster now. What what can they do with with uh, Toby, and what 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 can they do with uh, Al Horford? Um, can they move them? Can they just eat the contract somehow? I'm sure they can't because everything in basketball is 100. It's uh, guaranteed. Um, so they're going to have to come up with a trade somewhere. At this point, I'd take anything for them. I'd take like five second-round picks um, for, for the both both of them, uh, even if it's to, to different uh, different teams or whatever. But I'm sure there's a team out there that, that isn't anywhere near the, the NBA salary cap or the luxury cap, I mean. Um, so they, they won't be paying that tax. And, and they'll be happy to take on a Tobias Harris that will go to a team that, that that's – Pick to to finish somewhere between uh, last place and and second to last, um, and it'll put up twenty twenty five points for him, and it'll look good. And everybody in Philadelphia will be pissed that he's putting those points up, and forget that he's playing for some crap team um, that's not going to make the playoffs. And same thing with Al Horford. I mean, he he's not a player that at this point in his career that you build build a, a roster around or you, you give him $96.5 million or whatever it was um, over four years and, and hope he's going to be that, that go-to um, sixth, uh, sixth guy off the bench and he's going to come in for Joe, uh, Joe and um, make sure he's getting a breather every once in a while. He's just not that guy. It just wasn't worth the contract. And now, now we're seeing that, but yeah. Keep Ben, get, see, see what we can do. Um, keep Joel again, like I said, uh, and just just hope and pray that, that whoever comes in can really help this Sixers team and get it to the level of the Flyers. And obviously the ultimate level is the, the Eagles um, winning the Super Bowl back in 2017 and, and maybe the Flyers still going on their run now, um, making it to the second round since we've been on last. But uh, – it's a lot to ask from the Sixers, but but I I, I do have faith. I, I, I do think uh, Josh Harris, I think he wants to win um, because that's going to bring his profit margins up with, with his Sixers purchase. Yep. Wins equals valuation. Like my phone in half. Yeah, that, that's what it is. But um, it, it's a lot to ask, but I think it'll happen, Tom. Absolutely. So it remains to be seen, obviously, of course, Keep close to us on Twitter tomorrow at on Delco because as soon as we hear breaking news, obviously uh, we will get something out to you through social media just to keep everybody in the loop. Yep, for sure. So, Mike, talking about another team whose bubble hasn't burst yet, and it's the Flyers who, since the last time we spoke, I think our last episode was getting ready for that crucial game three of the yep. series where – uh, we said, hey, 
it, you know, this will really tell the series. I think we all had a pretty good comfort level that uh, at least you and I thought they were going to win that game three, and they did end up uh, through the week, end up beating the Montreal Canadiens in six games and will now take on the New York Islanders in the uh, Eastern Conference semifinal. So, Mike, what's your thoughts on – just give the, give the listeners a preview of the Flyers-Islanders matchup. Uh, I, I was really proud of the Flyers. Uh, I was proud of one player in particular in that, in that sixth game. Um, that was Ghost. I thought he had one of the best games he's ever had as a Flyer. So I, I would be shocked if he's not in game one's lineup uh, against the Islanders. Uh, but the Flyers, it was a hard, hard-fought series. I mean, it got nasty. Uh, it got really nasty in game five. Uh, game misconduct and, and then Niskanen um, – Broke, uh, broke uh, Gallagher's jaw and didn't even get a penalty, but got suspended for the next game, um, which was game six. But yeah, it got it got testy. It was uh, it was a hard fought uh, six game series. It felt like it was about 15, 16 games. <laughs> Each game felt like it was at least two or three. Um, but yeah, it was it was a hard fought series and. Everybody was at the, the edge of their seat. I know my hands were sweating the whole time. Um, and, and people out there listening, it's probably going to be doubly as hard. I, I, I think the Islanders, the, if you thought that the Canadians are fast and they play de- team defense and, and they get scrappy goals and, and seems like there's 10 guys out there and – Five are always in on the on the four check. Well, the Islanders play the same exact style. Um, not only do they play the same style, but they play a better style. Um, they, they are probably, if the Flyers get through, and I do think they will, but I do think this is probably going to be another six or seven game series with one goal wins and, and everybody clinching their cheeks throughout the uh, second and and third periods with one goal leads and hoping Carter Hart, not hoping, knowing Carter Hart is our backstop and, and he's going to shut it down. I think that's going to happen probably every game. Um, I know people are worried about the five goals he let up. He let up four of them um, in game two and then the four goals he let up in game uh, game five. But we, we got to put that out of our minds and just know that this, this Flyers team is the better team. Um, even though the Islanders did beat them in the regular season, that they uh, they won the season series. The Flyers uh, against the Flyers, the the Flyers went zero two and one against the uh, the Islanders. So it's going to be a tough one, Tom. It's going to be uh, one that I probably stay away from any type of betting, um, except for Flyers advancing um, into the uh, into the conference finals. Um, but it's it's going to be a fun one. I can't wait. Game one tomorrow, 7 o'clock, and then I believe it's back-to-backs um, for games two and three. Game two, I think, is Wednesday at three, um, with game three being Thursday at seven. Uh, so lots of Flyers hockey with game four, I think, is right at Saturday at noon, uh, which is a nice one. Um, so it's it's going to be a hard-fought one. I'm not going to pick the Flyers in a sweep. Um I am going to pick the Flyers in six games uh, for this one. Almost the same, probably the same way that they they advanced against the Canadians. Win one, they might lose game two. Um, and then they, they might get uh, two in a row. 
uh, lose game five and then get through in game six again. Um, so that that's that's my thoughts on this upcoming series. I, I'm very nervous. Uh, like I like we said for the beginning that this team is is our favorite to win the next uh, next championship for for Philadelphia. Period. Um, or at least I've said that. So it's uh, it's going to be a nerve wracking one, Tom, but but one I think the Flyers ultimately get past. Yeah, and I know a lot is being made of the uh, 0-2 and 1. I think only one game was played since the middle of November. So the Islanders did have the benefit of playing this Flyers team early in the season, which, let's be honest, this is a completely different Flyers team than the one that was uh, that the Islanders saw at the early in the season. It took some time for AV to really get his system in and, and to get the players to, to buy in. And I think that's the one thing – that you see with this Flyers team now is that they are just bought in. You mentioned Shane Gostisbehere, right? He's typically known as an offensive defenseman, right? And is more concerned with, you know, kind of getting into the, you know, getting into the offensive part of the, the game. I mean, he played a solid defensive game that, that game six. He had a, a tremendous just defensive effort uh, in that last game against the Canadians. And then I think that talks to – this is a guy who was benched and then comes in and, and plays a, a solid game on the defensive end. I think that talks to the players being uh, really bought into AV system and they're willing to do what it takes to, to advance. I do think – I agree. I think it's going to be a tough series. Uh, like you said, a lot like the uh, Canadians, maybe a little bit more uh, – experience and, and maybe a little bit more of a scoring punch than the Canadians. Um, so it remains to be seen. I do think we need to really see uh, the top players for the Flyers really step up and, and get some goals uh, this series compared to what they did against the Canadians. I do think we'll need to see, and this is what the Flyers attribute has been all season is really getting, you know, solid play and scoring from all four lines. I think we're going to need to see those top two lines, uh, get going a little bit more than they did against the Canadians, which the good news is, is I think we saw it a little bit more in game five and especially game six where uh, those top two lines did look better against the Canadians. So hopefully that's a sign of uh, more things to come for the Flyers. But yeah, I think it's going to be a hard fought series, probably a lot of one goal differential games. Uh, but I, I'm with you. I, I see the Flyers pulling this one out. I think you said the Flyers to win the, the Flyers to advance it's like a minus 140, so if, you, if that is something that you're interested in, I'd suggest uh, getting that in now uh, before – because I think the lines do change pretty significantly after uh, game one, you know, depending upon the result. Yeah, uh, that's for sure. The, the one thing that, that is still on my mind is this power play, Tom. Um, the Islanders are known for scoring shorthanded goals, and, and our – the Flyers' power play is just – they're very lackluster uh, and it wasn't the case early on in the bubble um, early on in uh, before the bubble uh, back in March and, and February, they were, they were firing on all cylinders. And now it's kind of, it, it looks like they're just doing one thing. They're just trying to get Giroud a puck um, to, to, to put on a one timer. I mean, Voracek did, um, did pot two um, in that game five loss, which was nice to see. Farabee also scored a power play goal in that fifth game as well. Um, but it's something that they're really going to have to clean up. The passing is going to have to be much crisper um, on that power play to, to kind of get past those Islander sticks um, in all the passing and shooting lanes. Uh, so it, it's going to be something that, that I'm sure they've been working on. 
Um, so hopefully uh, come tomorrow when they get a couple power play opportunities, um, they can they can put them in the back of the net and and we can uh, feel a little bit better about that power play. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a, a gritty series to to not use the pun, but it is going to be a gritty series. Um, you mean and, Gritty's going to make it to the bubble, Mike? No, <laughs> he he was in Toronto, Ohio today. Uh, that was, that was yeah, some good stuff on Twitter and Facebook and all, all the uh, Instagram. That was that was good time. I enjoyed that one. Kudos to the Flyers' uh, PR team for seriously making a five-hour drive. I believe it was for, a, for yeah. just a good joke. I mean, that's that's impressive. I, I loved it when he got the. I think it was the school or the post office. He says, "Why in the world is there a? Oh no, it was an American flag." flag <laughs> That was really. It was like uh, he was throwing rocks into some river. Uh, the Niagara River is really, really scenic this time of year, and all that. It was that was that was definitely top notch uh, social media work by the Flyers, uh, PR team, and the gritty team there. That was uh, that was some stuff right there. But yeah, very excited for the Flyers. Like like we've been saying, um, the the good thing um, that that we all can feel good about is Carter Hart. So as long as we have Carter Hart, as long as he's playing to the level that he has played in the bubble and even previously before the shutdown happened, everybody can take a deep breath and just relax and and just hope and pray that the big guns are going to get moving. I know Kevin Hayes potted one. Um, I was going to say yesterday, but, but game six, um, and, and that was great to see. And Voracek's getting heated up, like I said, with those two goals. Faraby scored another one. So hopefully the Flyers keep it up and we move on to the uh, conference finals against the Bruins, I'm going to say. All right. See, I was going to say the Lightning. So I have the Lightning advancing uh, in that series. So it'll be uh, it'll be. Another plan right now. They are playing. Last I saw, it was uh, still tied at zero. But, uh, Ooh, fun game! Now it is two nothing Bruins at the end of two. Oh, well that so, uh, there you go, there you go. <laughs> but uh, I I think there's going to be the opportunity if you think about the the way that the playoffs were, where you had games basically every other day, and then even the back to back in this series, not a lot of time for the coaching staff to really do anything with the power play, and I think a throughout the series, I don't think they practiced after game two. They just kind of rested, recovered, and then got ready for the next game. So hopefully with a couple days, not a lot of days, but uh, at least the weekend, uh, Flyers coaching staff was able to think through something as it comes to the power play. So I'm I'm expecting a better performing power play, Mike, uh, when the Flyers take on the, the Islanders. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I I do think it'll be better. Um, is this is Sebastian Ajo? Is it he got traded to the Islanders, or is this a different Sebastian Ajo? Different, different Ajo. It's the brother Ajo. So I was I was looking at that name, and I know the Ajo down in uh, Carolina. He he was uh, pretty uh, unless. That's lying to me, but that, that that's the one name that kind of jumped out. I know Matthew Barzal, um, he's another name that jumps out. We got to watch him on the on the power plays, but 
I think it'll be all right. Um, I, I'm excited. I, I can't wait until tomorrow. I know t- tomorrow's my first day back teaching, um, so I'll be waiting all day through all those boring meetings. To I'll be wearing my my flyer shirt, uh, ready for uh, that seven o'clock puck drop, which I really enjoy, by the way. I forgot how the, those eight o'clock games they end at like ten thirty. They suck ass. <laughs> well, it wasn't so much that the game started at eight. It was they tell you yeah. today, that puck drops not until eight twenty five, eight thirty. Because all of a sudden they need to have Mike Milbury spilling his guts out for a half hour. That's one. He get fired yet? Not fired, but he's definitely sitting out the rest of the, uh, the hockey playoffs. playoffs. So that the players, so there, he is not a distraction. He's been a distraction, you know. <laughs> he's the distraction. <laughs> playing collar commentary for NHL for years now. At this point, I'm not a I'm not big on cancel culture, but. Yeah. I'm glad to see Mike Milbury won't be uh, announcing and doing color commentary for. Games. Maybe they'll bring back Jr. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I I can't stand Milbury though. He, obviously, everybody listens to well, not everybody listens to this as a Flyers fan, but most of us are Flyers fans listening to this podcast. And I, I don't know how he is about the Penguins or or, or the uh, the Islanders or, or the Rangers. Um, but man, does he hate the Flyers? <laughs> and he can't. He doesn't even hide it. I know he played for the Bruins, and and, and he wasn't a fan of the way the Flyers played um, back then. But you know what? You're a you're supposed to be a neutral party now, and man, is he not neutral at all? Um, but maybe Josie will get pumped up. I thought he did have a connection to the Islanders, though. So that's what I was going to say. I can't imagine he might have been uh, in their front office or a coach or something. That's what I'm thinking. I'm trying to pull yeah. it up now as to, but because that was my whole thought. That is, sounds familiar. I'm glad to see not. he's going to be. Uh, he was general manager and head coach for the New York Islanders. Oh, there so, you go. Yeah. So. Um, maybe I don't know if that uh, that relationship with the Islanders ended on on good terms or not, but. Given the way his distaste for the Flyers, I couldn't imagine him being really impartial uh, during this no. Eastern Conference semifinal. Not at all. Hopefully, we get a little bit of Doc Emmerich. I know he was doing tonight's game, so he's probably not going to do tomorrow's Flyers game. But maybe he'll do the uh, the early start on Wednesday. We'll get, we'll get a little bit of Doc Emmerich, and and, and as long as Katie Emmer's doing the uh, the pregame, I'm I'm happy at this point. I love I love myself a little bit of Katie Emmer. She's she's a she's she's a girl next door kind of a kind of a commentator. I like her. I was going to say, careful now before you end up with Milbury. Nah, I'm not going to go Milbury. She's definitely. Look, well, you know what? <laughs> we'll just we'll just stop it there. You know, just go Flyers. Hopefully, we get a little Emmerich and Emmer on the way to our. Uh, to the uh, conference finals against the Bruins. So are you changing your are you changing your thoughts to the Bruins, or you think it's going to be the Lightning still? Ah, you know what? Even if even if this game ends up uh, two nothing for the Bruins, it's only game one. I'm going to stick with the Lightning for now. All right, all right. I, I know Stam Stamkos isn't back yet, so that's a that's a pretty big loss still. But um, yeah, that'll be a fun series too. That that'll probably go six or seven games. Um, the, the only thing with the Bruins is it's the Tuka Rask. I know last week you were saying he really wasn't – didn't look like he was feeling it, Tom. Um, and, and and the next day, lo and behold, 
they, they came out there was something wrong with his daughter. Um, nothing else I don't think has come out since then. So um, he did opt out of the uh, the NHL playoffs. So uh, prayers to his daughter. But but now we know why he wasn't really looking um, like the old Tuka Rass that, that would basically just be a brick wall back there. So that's uh, terrible news. But hopefully his daughter is okay and he can come back next year for the Bruins. But that that's the, that's the only uh, thing that, that would scare me with, with them now is that I know, I know Yaroslav Halak is a good goalie, but he's nowhere near um, what Tuka Rask is. So, yeah, I, I do think that's going to be a tight one. Maybe go down to seven games. Maybe we'll we'll put a little wager on here on, on the couch in Delco, and we'll, we'll figure out what that will be by, by Thursday's episode. There you go. And I think uh, Tuka's daughter, nothing serious, but uh, – so I think overall she's going to be okay, at least from what good. I heard. But – uh, enough where Tuka thought it was best to be uh, with his family at this point rather than uh, being in the bubble in Toronto. But I absolutely uh, wish nothing but the best for him and his family. And, uh, you know, hopefully it makes the Flyers' path to the Stanley Cup that much easier. Maybe yeah, maybe, maybe it's a win-win. Everything works out for Tuka's family, and the Flyers uh, have an easier path to the Stanley Cup as a result, too. Yeah, speak, speaking of goalies, uh, not not he didn't go down with an injury, but uh, uh, Michael Grubauer, um, is it Michael? I think it's Michael. Um, the uh, goalie for the Avalanche went down on a non-contact play. Um, looks very very ugly. Looks like it's definitely an ACL or or probably an entire knee. Uh, so the uh, the Avalanche's uh, road to the playoffs got a little, got a little murky. Uh, they, they are, they were my pick out there in the West, but they did drop game one. Uh, you never, sometimes in the playoffs, I mean, we've seen the Flyers back in 2010, they had three goalies, um, and they, they rode it all the way to a game six, game six loss against the, uh, the Blackhawks. Uh, thank you, Michael Layton. Uh, but, but teams do rally behind, uh, backup goalies. So maybe that'll, maybe that'll happen for the Avalanche out there, but tough news for the Avalanche. You never want to see anybody really get hurt um except for brendan gallagher um but (laughs) i i hate that guy i I don't know what it is about him tom um but but i I was happy he was a little bloodied up after that niskin and uh for for a guy that broke his jaw damn av said it right he didn't shut the hell up the whole time (laughs) well not not just that but the whole uh montreal canadiens just the whole, you know, they violated, you know, we went into the bubble and they weren't supposed to be talking about injuries. And then yeah. the Montreal Canadian social media team basically comes out and, and kind of says that he has a broken jaw. It, it was yeah. a lot of campaigning to get that Niskanen oh, uh, yeah. suspension in place. So I, it was fair. Uh, he was out for the rest of the series and Niskanen was out for the rest of the series because Flyers ended up winning in game six and, uh, sending the Canadians uh, back over to Quebec. Yeah. What's that, an 80-mile drive or something like that? 90-mile drive from Toronto? It's pretty close. I don't know if it's that close. but I think it's far. Montreal is pretty far uh, up north in uh, – where am I thinking? Where am I thinking Quebec? By the way, it's uh, Philip Grubauer, not Michael. Michael Grabner. I was thinking Michael Grabner. (laughs) He is is listed – is listed as day to day, but uh, yeah, that was that was pretty nasty. 
I, I'm looking up where Toronto, <laughs> how far it is from from Toronto to. It's a uh, five hour and twenty one minute drive, Mike. Oh, that's not bad. Well, uh, it's bad. it's it's not ninety minutes either. No, but it's it's a drive from here to Toronto, Ohio. <laughs> about that yeah <laughs> about the same thing there you go it's uh i'm thinking ottawa and uh i think ottawa and um toronto they're they're closer ottawa and montreal are close. i think ottawa and montreal are close yeah, yeah. all right so uh, all right. is that all we have from I don't, I don't think we have anything else hockey related i think that's it other than i think we're we're excited and ready to go and, and go flyers forward to go flyers look for a puck drop tomorrow yeah, for sure. So, Mike, we're recording this on a Sunday night, and as it stands right now, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies going into the bottom of the ninth against the Braves are up 5-3. Oh, God. How do you think this game ends? What's your, what's your prediction for this Phillies game with them being up 5-3 going into the bottom of the ninth? I'm trying to open Fandle and put money on the Braves as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how uh, that's how confident I am. Oh, the Bla- Braves are plus six thirty. Of course, why I'm we're put- saying this is if the Braves end up do pulling out this game, that would be the sixth consecutive loss for the Phillies. I'm trying to pull that up, uh, but also five dollar bet placed on the Braves. Out of those games, I think four of those games, four of those six losses would have been at the hands of the Philadelphia Phillies bullpen, which we talked about this all season, has absolutely been atrocious this season. Mm -hmm. I believe, Mike, you had the stat before we jumped on the podcast, an 8.9 ERA, which I think is worst in MLB history. And yeah. even an interesting stat tying back to the Sixers, Mike. What did you have? It was uh, the their ERA, their bullpen ERA was higher than Al Horford's game point average against the Celtics in these four games. Keep in mind, people, that Al Horford was a starter for the Sixers in the place of Ben Simmons. Sure. So I I think it tells a pretty bad story. Uh, for both, but the the Phillies bullpen has continued to be a challenge. I'm trying to look at the TV now to see who they have uh, out there. It's uh, Workman, so Bradley oh, Workman out. is now closing uh, for the Phillies. Obviously, uh, should have put Brandon, twenty dollars on them. <laughs> Brandon Workman is a recent addition to the Philadelphia Phillies bullpen. He and I believe his name is Heath Hembury have come over from the Boston Red Sox in exchange for, Mike, one of your favorite pitchers, Nick Pivetta. Yeah, Piv is finally out of here. and Good riddance, goodbye, have fun up there and in Boston and Pacquiao and Havidyad and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, that, that was nice to see him get out of here. But but the other trade, Tom, was, was a head-scratcher, the, the, the David Hale and uh, Addison – Oh, Russ Addison or Addison Russ? I think it is Addison Russ. Yeah, that that was a head scratcher to me because Addison Russ or Russ Addison, whatever his name is, he had like something like 200 strikeouts and 150 innings pitched. 
once I heard that stat, I had no idea who he was before I heard that stat, by the way. I'm like, why do we have to watch some some dude I never heard of? What was what was our favorite guy that just got DFA'd? Guerrero? Uh, Dialis Guerrero? Yeah, D- well, I got to watch Dialis Guerrero pitch when we got Addison Russ, who has more than a strikeout per inning, obviously, sitting down there at, at Lehigh in the the extra camp or whatever they're calling it. I, I, I don't, I don't understand it. Is that a base hit for, for Riley to lead off the uh, bottom of the ninth for that the, is. for the Braves? Oh dear Jesus. I should have put $20 on them. Tom. It is happening again. It looks it's like but... happening. Oh, so no. new faces, Brandon Workman, Heath Hembry, who actually, I believe pitched his first game today for the Phillies and didn't too, didn't uh, do too bad in 1.2 innings of work, if I can just Oh, nice. Um, more so than an inning. I like a guy that goes more than an inning. One and two-thirds inning. Just had one hit with uh, with two Ks. So Nice. Um, he did uh, fairly well. But now Brandon Workman, is uh, who has actually spent some time last year as a closer for the Red Sox, is now closing yeah. – uh, for the Phillies because uh, Hector Neris has completely lost any semblance of that splitter getting it over the plate and getting outs with it and has just looked absolutely atrocious. And now they already Murphy have can't David get Hale. the fastball over the plate either, so that's not looking too great. David Hale, the new righty from the Yankees, uh, who apparently has spent a lot of time with the Yankees also – designated for assignment. I saw some stuff on social media where they yeah. called him uh, designated for assignment hail because oh, of the amount of time that he spent up and down this season. And then uh, even in, in years past, a, a long time Yankee. So not good. Uh, obviously Clentac is trying something to bolster the bullpen. I know there's a lot of talk. You mentioned Addison Russ and there was another young guy that went with Pavetta in the, uh, Red Sox trade that people are oh the guy had potential. Listen, if these are guys or any of these guys are Clintex guys, I w- I would have it with a grain of salt that they were going to really amount to to much. So I w- I wouldn't lose sleep over the prospects uh, that we gave up in these deals, um, even though it seems like Workman and Hale I think are, are short term rentals, uh, and it seems like Clintex is trying to uh, bolster. Bolster the Phillies bullpen, but we shall see. Jeez, not looking too good. You got got the second guy full count now, so it's uh, another head scratcher. But good news, uh, good news today. Alec Boom uh, smashed his first bomb um, and literally smashed it. He went deep to dead center, 446 feet. Not as long as Bryce Harper's home run yesterday at 470, but – it was still pretty impressive for your first home run to, to go uh, dead center with a 446-feet um, shot. Uh, but that Bryce Harper home run was a – I thought there was, was going to be a hole in the, in the seat. It was a, it was a mammoth shot. He looked like, he looked like a caveman. Oh, one out. Must have struck him out. Oh, never mind. Uh, grounded into yeah, a sacrifice. Yep. Sacrifice. All right. Not bad. No, it's a – Fielder's choice, right? Yeah. Fielder's yeah, choice, yeah. All right. And then some more good news. Hoskins hit another home run today. Uh, uh, just poked it out there to right field. Uh, left field, sorry. 
Um, and then Gregorius again, who has been quite the pickup for the Phillies. The, the pitching didn't suck as much. He would be a hell of a pickup. Uh, but he homered again uh, to make it 4 nothing today. So that, that's how the Phillies scored the first four runs of the game. Um, then the next inning happened, and who was the pitcher today? Eflin. Uh, Eflin promptly gave up uh, three runs in the bottom of the third. Uh, and then in the top of the fourth, Andrew McCutcheon, otherwise known as McCutch or McClutch, whatever you want to call him, um, came up with a uh, RBI single. And that's all the scoring as of now. So nice to see the bats. I can't complain about the bats, Tom. I can't complain about the bats one bit. They, they, well, they have been swinging them. They've been scoring runs. But uh, I think that uh, the timely I think maybe? it's good to see Hoskins and, and Kutch. You know, I think they started the season a little bit slow. It's good to see them starting to pick it back up. The bats haven't been that timely, though, especially if you look earlier yeah. in the week with the with the Toronto series. So, you know, they're hitting in spurts. But even in that Toronto series, they all their hits came in the first couple innings. Uh, that second game that was, they ended up losing 9-8, they had a seven-run lead out of, after the first inning. And foul ball? Oh, God. That's out of here. Foul ball, right? Yeah. All right. So, just a almost a, almost a hinge of a real game up. But uh, tough to see. Look at it, Tom. I'm way behind because I'm watching yeah. it on the phone. No, it was a foul ball. So uh, right, clearly foul. But I think the initial TV angle was a little bit tough. But. The, the hits haven't been uh, the, haven't been as consistent, so they're getting out to these these hot streaks, and then you know the pitchers able to settle in, or or they're going into the bullpens, and and the bullpens for these teams are able to shut them down, which is maybe it's just something that the Phillies bats don't understand. I think they expect when a bullpen comes in that they've you know there's being going to rake it. <laughs> they're just able to tee off based on what their Phillies bullpen is. So the bats haven't been as consistent, but you're right. I mean, they are putting up a lot of runs uh, and, yeah. the, and the pitching. Not stand. enough in that seven, nothing start. I almost put money down on the blue Jays. I was going to text you because it was the first inning, right? Um, first inning, they went up seven, nothing. And then uh, proceeded to lose nine, uh, seven, <laughs> nine, eight. So they were, was it nine? Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. They got to run at the end. Wandered away. So, uh, now I want to. Is there a heavy. way to go back and check to see what the um, what the line was at that time, like at the at that first inning? Uh, it had to be something like plus five thousand. I did see something where it was like plus thirty five hundred or something like that. <sighs> I kicked myself in the butt for that one. I wanted to put money on that so far, and now we got. Uh, a walk by Workman, uh, two men on, and the winning run coming to the plate in, in the form of uh, – who's coming to the plate now? Dansby Swanson, who has uh, is three Jesus. for four with three doubles in this okay. game. And is, um, so he, he'll be walked. <laughs> and has uh, really lit up the, the Phillies pitching staff. Uh, it seems like he's always hit the Phillies well. I, even last year, I, I remember him being a uh, being a problem. You should do some play-by-play, Tom. I don't feel like signing into Xfinity, so no play-by-play. <laughs> oh, well. Double both, play. Well, not a double play. 
it was uh, another fielder's choice. Boehm, uh tug up, got the ball, tug up at third, but wasn't able to get the out at first base. So you still have uh, man on first and second, now two and out. Philly's former prospect, Travis Darnall, coming up. All right. Hitting three thirty three on the season. Jeez. Guys, on a Captain Delco, this is the content you came to see, a live podcast of the Phillies and hope. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to stick with the Phillies until they lose it. I mean, until they win this game. <laughs> we so, still got Eagles news coming up. So, you know what? If you want to skip ahead, we, ha- we have some – not really news. We have uh, Eagles – I guess we'll call it news. It'll be Eagles news. But it'll be after this, uh, this live pod of, of the Phillies – Bottom of the ninth inning with uh, with Workman out there trying to uh, get his first save as a member of the Philadelphia Phillies. And Darno just one run will score and oh the outfield assist to end the game to end the game. Andrew Knapp holding on to the ball. This will likely go into review. It is 5-4. Are they going to review it? Why does it have Freeman on the at-bat? I thought you said it, Darno. Was it Freeman? It was supposed to be. Oh, Freeman, yeah. I didn't see that. It is Freeman. It was Freeman, yeah. Sorry, that was my fault. So he gets a out. Is it a? Is he out, Tom? He looks out. He yeah, he's so definitely he's, he's definitely out. He was wide of the plate. Sweet. So guys, oh, you, yeah. you heard it here. Nap got on, on on a couch in Delco. Mike wasted five dollars on, on betting. It almost wasn't a waste of five dollars, but I'm glad it was. I'm glad the Phillies get off the Schneid and and get close. the victory. Yeah, yeah. They, they they tried to lose it. <laughs> that has to be a. Uh, the first play. save, first save for Brandon Workman as a Philly, and I, I don't know how many saves this bullpen actually uh, has. They are still under review, but I think it's uh, this one is pretty clear. To me. Is it going to be like the uh, the Michael Raffle goal? They're going to look at it seventy two different ways, and they'll find the way that he touched the plate before he got he, the Nap got the glove on him. Unless Nap somehow. Didn't touch him with a glove hand. Which wouldn't surprise me. I So I had the TV on mute. I just don't see what they could be actually looking at. at this so point. he's definitely out. It looks it to me. All right, so hopefully the Phillies win again tomorrow. Um, hopefully they, they start a new winning uh, – well, maybe not a new winning streak, but another winning streak um, and, and get off the schneid and hopefully – Try to to make a push somehow for a playoff spot. I know it's I know it sounds weird because we kind of just started, um, but we're kind of getting late into the season already. All right, <laughs> it's officially ruled an out at home, so the Phillies Wait. get off the snide. They break uh, the losing streak and now uh, have saved a game from the series with the Braves and are. Uh, the bullpen has at least redeemed itself for the night. I am so happy about that. Uh, I, I'm so happy that that I'm gonna I'm gonna give us a little bit of. Uh... 
Look for the high hopes, Tom. I know they weren't playing at home today, but listen to Harry and Boo. Phillies. Way I truly to get feel off the like the, uh, the the Phillies bullpen is that ant trying to move that rubber tree plant. <laughs> For sure, that is that is definitely what they are, Tom. So, all right, Tom, uh, are, are we moving on to yeah, our beloved on. Philadelphia Eagles? To well, not end the pod to end the sports version or sports uh, part of the pod, I should say. Yeah, because it. Seems crazy to think about, I guess, because with everything going on in the world and no preseason games, but we are in the thick of training camp and the football season is only a couple weeks away at this point. 21 days, right? Against the uh, Washington football team. But, Mike, what what's your thoughts on news coming out of camp so far? So I'll start with non-Eagles news um, because – uh, we've talked about it probably a hundred times because there's always a player that Eagles Twitter wants, and I haven't really seen Eagles Twitter get up in a roar over this player yet. Uh, but yesterday it came out that uh, Earl Thomas was in some sort of a fight with a teammate um, down there in Baltimore, and, and the the Ravens were threatening to uh, to release him. It was that bad, apparently, this fight, and uh, that happened today. Errol Thomas was released. Uh, I think he was given an unconditional release, so there was nothing nothing that has to go to the Ravens or anything like that. So he is free to, to sign with any team. Um, but, but in my opinion, he'll finally go get to play for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I think that's where he will end up signing. Um, I don't think there's room for him here at the, at the Philadelphia Eagles uh, football team. Uh, I should have called him the Philadelphia football team, but I tried, you know. That was, that was my – uh, chance at humor because there's one player that's apparently been turning heads at the safety position, and that's Kevon Wallace, the only player I got right in the correct spot um, for the Philadelphia Eagles to uh, to draft. And apparently he's lining veterans up um, in, in the correct spot before the play. He's calling out um, plays that he has recognized from the offense, and they've been right most of the time. So that's a hell of a thing to do for, for a rookie, not only a rookie, but a rookie in this COVID-19 world um, that we thought these rookies weren't going to be able to actually um, produce or play um, to, a, to a certain level that us Eagles fans are used to. But to see a rookie back there lining up people um, it, it's, it's really, really good to see. Um, it, it only makes me more excited for Wallace. And I, I just hope when he is a, uh, an all pro Brian Dawkins lets him wear number two. No, I'm just talking. I'm just, just joking with that one, but, uh, hopefully he's just as good as Brian Dawkins. And, uh, that, that is, uh, that is great to see. Um, moving on to another player moving, uh, not moving heads, turning heads. Um, and this isn't a rookie, even though Jalen Hurts is. Uh, I will talk about him next. 
Um, but the next player I'm going to talk about is uh, an older player uh, and quite possibly still the best wide receiver on the Eagles. Um, Jalen Rager might have something to do with that next year, but this year the best wide receiver that is still on the Philadelphia Eagles is Deshaun Jackson, and apparently nobody can cover him, Tom. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> well, I, I think, I mean, Djax is always a phenomenal talent, especially when he's on the field. The question, at least the last couple of years, is he hasn't been able to stay healthy. So yeah. what he gives you for a couple games, is it a bad thing? No, I think there are a lot of corners that struggle covering Deshaun Jackson. It's just a matter of can Deshaun Jackson stay on the field this year because that hasn't been the case the last couple seasons, even with the Eagles and even going back to his days with uh, Tampa and, and the Redskins. So, um, But, Mike, I, I don't know. I mean – Carson Wentz is now referring to uh, Jalen Rieger as like Julio Jones. So maybe we already have a new best wide receiver on this team. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and I, I will go to the grave with, uh, with it was not Deshaun Jackson beating um, Darius Slade last week. Like everybody was saying on Twitter, that was definitely not a 10 and it's definitely not how Deshaun Jackson runs. So I Still going to go with that was Jalen Rager um, that that beat Darius Slay. And you know what? If that's if he has even like, what would you say would be a, a great percentage to have of, of Julio as a player, Jalen Rager, like 33%, 40%? What, I, this I would, season or overall? For like overall, I would take that because that, that means he's a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Not at forty. I mean, if you can get no, if he's if he's if he's Julio, he's a Hall of Fame receiver. Are we going to give right. him that praise now? I mean, oh, you mean that's why I mean you mean today? Yeah, yeah. Today, if he's half the receiver that Julio is, I think I'm good. If, if he's he can, half the receiver, he's an All Pro. If he can develop into eighty percent of Julio, I oh Jesus, I, I think there's okay, a you're saying half the player you know is already an All Pro. I I think you need something a little bit better. Than, Half of Julio Jones isn't getting you an all-pro, I don't think. Uh, Julio Jones is pretty damn good. I'm not saying he's not. Uh, I'd take half of Julio Jones. I'll tell you who would take half of Julio Jones right now, and that's J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, because that man, he's dropping like five balls a day still, Tom. He's your boy. Although he's he's apparently looking better. What he's I looking heard. better. He's only dropping four balls now. Yeah, he's improving. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I make fun of I make fun of the guy a lot, but God, I hope so. I hope he's going to turn into to, to at least a number three receiver um, on this team. But it's uh, it's not looking good. They the Eagles did make a pickup over the weekend. I believe it was over the weekend or maybe last Friday. I think the wide receiver's name slipping my mind. He was he, he was drafted in the sixth round last year, kind of bounced around on practice squads. Uh, but he's a he's a pretty tall wide receiver. I think he's like six six, six six, two twenty, something like that. So he's a he's a pretty big gentleman. Do you have the name? I'm trying to pull it up. But... Yeah, I don't I, I can't remember the name. That's not that's not putting anything on, on the on, on the guy. He has a, I think he has a weird last name. Uh, but uh, it's not looking good for JJ. Um, I, I'll, I'll tell you that. Uh, but it's, uh, you, you know, may, maybe he will. Uh, it'll definitely stick on the team. They're not gonna. I don't think they'll release. If they release him, I, I would be absolutely dumbfounded um, if they released uh, our Sega Whiteside. But uh, 
it's it's not looking good for him because guys like uh, I think it's John Hightower. Um, he he was getting a lot of praise. Um, the other speedster, Quez Watkins, as well. Quez Watkins is getting a ton of uh, praise from from all the quarterbacks and the coaching staff. Uh, so it's uh, it seems like all the other wide receivers are blooming, and and Arcega Whiteside is he, he's forgotten. He's not getting any water. He's, he's kind of wilting over there on the side. Although J. Joe did beat Maddox twice uh, in See, today, so he's. Um, I will go to the grave with this. I, I know my one friend loves Avante Maddox and thinks he is a corner. Uh, he he is not a corner. He is a safety, and I am not surprised that he's getting beat. Um, he, uh, to me, he's not even a, a slot. He's he's not. He's he's a safety today. He's he's not going to be a guy. He'll get interceptions. He'll get lucky every once in a while. He'll look great, um, but but for the most part, he doesn't look like a cornerback to me. That that's my opinion on him. Have you found this gentleman's name? I have not. I kind of stopped looking. So I'm done with that name. But whoever it is, he has the same build, the same skill set, and he's a little bit taller um, than our Sega Whiteside. So it's to me, it's not looking good. I don't think they get rid of him. I think it almost has to be like a a thing with like Myelata. They're going to find like an injury and and stash him away for this year, um, and hope he can come back with with kind of getting getting his mind ready his mind not ready his mind back to the uh, right mindset but uh yeah it's it's good to see uh moving on to our our next position that's Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts is real quick though I I stopped looking when I saw the headline Eagles linebacker coach says Nathan Jerry is one of the smartest players so uh that's Jesus that's what caused me to pause so you can tell uh that the Eagles beat reporters are out there covering every detail of Eagles training camps. Yeah, they're they're, they're probably salivating over every little morsel. They're they're like dogs that haven't eaten in months. Uh, That's almost a good thing. That's probably a a good thing. We're getting everything and anything, even if we don't want it. But but speaking of linebackers, Davion Taylor – um and 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 Sean Bradley, uh, they're they're looking pretty good. So that that's a little nugget we'll throw out there. Um, uh, they're 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 drawing high praise, maybe not as high as uh as Nate Gary, but you know it happens. Uh, but moving on to the to the next player I wanted to talk about, probably the last player I think I have news uh, about is Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jalen Hurts apparently has everybody goo goo gaga over him, which in my mind is a good thing. Um, that, that means he is exactly what we want. Uh, maybe in two years he does beat out Carson Wentz and, and, and he becomes the, the number one quarterback and the, the Eagles move on from Carson Wentz. But that's not why I'm bringing up Jalen. I'm bringing up Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz to, to, to put to bed these these asinine fans that are out there like like with the camps, like, like I know I love Wentz, but I love the Eagles overall. And, and if Jalen Hurts ends up being the best quarterback two years from now, then I want Jalen Hurts to play. I mean, I, I can't let my feelings for for Carson Wentz uh, as as most – I'm not even going to name the thing because it will probably get us in trouble. Um, to, but it's it's just that that's how it works. 
I mean, same thing with Nick Foles. Just because Nick Foles came in, I loved him. Like, oh, I love him to the day I die. If I ever see him in a bar, he'll, he'll, uh, I'll buy him whatever the hell he wants me to buy him. I'll buy him a, a shirt, whatever, whatever it has to be. Um, but, but if Jalen Hurts two years down the line is the best guy for the job, then, then so be it. Uh, I don't think that will happen. I think Carson Wentz will, will eventually um, kind of go the route. So I'm, I'm going to bring up a name, Matthew Stafford, but not skill set and, and not winning like Matthew Stafford. Uh, even though Matthew Stafford's a pretty good fantasy quarterback, but how Matthew Stafford was, was constantly hurt in the beginning part of his career, and now he hasn't missed a game in something like eight years. Um, I think Carson Wentz will end up being somebody – that, that that blossoms into like a, a, a Matthew Stafford, but is a top five, top four quarterback in the NFL for the next eight years. Um, but you know what? I, I'm glad Jalen Hurts is coming into his own in his first camp. Um, that means maybe next year with this whole college football situation, this conference is playing, this conference isn't playing, this conference wants to play in the spring. Maybe these quarterbacks coming out, uh, maybe these teams come knocking up for a, a proven commodity and Jalen Hurts that they have solid tape on um, from the Eagles, and the Eagles get like two or three first-round picks for him. Yeah, I, I don't see the Eagles getting a few first-round picks for him. Uh, you know, I, I would still say maybe a first, and then you have the benefit of upgrading from a second to a first maybe uh i understand the pandemic's going on and everything and, and maybe you won't get to see a lot of these uh these quarterbacks but multiple first round picks for a guy that's probably not going to get a lot of playing time this year at the quarterback position especially since at least we hope not at, at least the talk now is that he will be the third quarterback behind uh Wentz and and Nate dress so uh, the third quarterbacks think, in this system usually haven't dressed, so that'll be interesting to see what they do. Nate they Sudfeld, I, I think he he didn't dress like what thirteen games last year. I know he was hurt, but yeah, they're coming off the injury, so I don't, yeah, he he didn't dress. Um, I think they may dress him just if they do want to use him uh, in a few packages, as we talked about the Taysom Hill on steroids. So he'll um, have to be designated as the second quarterback because quarterback. that's a stupid role, right? That, uh, yeah, I guess the third quarterback can't come in unless the second quarterback Second quarterback's hurt, yeah. which is the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. But moving on. There you go. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Eagles uh, training camp. Now we do have uh, one injury that I think we're waiting to hear a little bit of word on. Andre Dillard uh, did leave practice today. Uh, so it's happening, Tom. Not sure what's going on there. But, it's happening. Um, it, you know it, what that means. JP Number 71. Back at left tackle. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Did it even take till, what did I say, week two? <laughs> this is ridiculous. Uh, but, you know, if he's, if he's legitimately hurt, I hope he gets back. But if this is like one of those things where he's just not playing well in camp and nobody's really saying anything and they're just kind of trying to hide it to get JP back there, that's, that's ridiculous. I don't think that's the case. I think he is probably legitimately hurt. But um, hopefully he gets back on the field ASAP. There's a lot of injuries on, the, on this Eagles side, though. 
a lot of a lot of illnesses too. Yeah, kind of. and I want I wanted to touch upon that. I don't know. I mean, illness. I know a lot of the Eagles beat put out there that doesn't necessarily mean it's COVID nineteen related. First of all, if you test positive in the NFL, it doesn't even mean you're you're actually positive. Yeah, a lot of uh, news breaking today, I guess, with the Jets, the Bears, and, and one wow. other team. Yeah, maybe the oh, Browns or something like that. A lot of false positive Bills. tests coming out of a, uh, a testing center in New Jersey. So, obviously, yeah. still a lot of uh, uncertainty with this. But, yeah, a few players uh, the last two days have gone down with illness. So, not really sure uh, what the – uh, situation is there if it is they're being held out for symptoms or if it truly is a, a case of you know hopefully it's not something that's uh, widespread but like we talked about before like Doug Peterson's going to have the antibodies for the team and that's the way we guarantee Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl success this season well, I gotta tell you we just passed four million worldwide cases right is that where, or is it 4 million cases in the United States? Uh, I'll have to pull up the data. It's a, whatever it is, back in 2009, we'd done nothing when we had 56 million cases of the swine flu. So what, what is, what's the difference now? Swine flu was just as deadly, too. Almost as just as deadly. Yeah, it must be uh, in the United States because there's uh, over 22 million cases of COVID. Yeah, so, so there must have been 56 million cases of the swine flu in the United States back in 2009, which seems like a lot. So I don't know if that number was correct. Is that – I don't know if that's in the United States. I mean, we're talking one-sixth of the population. That's that's a lot of – yeah, that's a lot of people. I got to tell you, I don't even remember the freaking swine flu. I'll remember the coronavirus till the day I die. I'll be, we'll be 80 years old walking on the, the Wildwood Boardwalk still talking about the, the coronavirus when all those idiots were wearing masks. <laughs> well, that, that's the, you know, it was from Twitter, though, when I seen that number. I kind of thought 56 million was high, but I also thought 4 million was low. So I don't think 56 million people in the United States, that's wine flow. If that was the case, we should have been on lockdown. I don't even know who tweeted it out to let you, to let you know. Well, we'll get some detail on that. Yeah, I mean, I'll have uh, to correct. We'll, we'll correct them once once we we get the details because that that is a lot of people. That's one sixth of the population now. Ten years ago, it was probably one fifth. Uh, we we hung around three hundred thirty million people for a long time. Yeah, so it's probably between one sixth and one fifth, something like that. Yeah, yeah that's that was, that was a lot of people. But yeah, I mean. It seems weird that I guess it's because we don't have games with the Eagles. We just just haven't really been getting much. I mean, we've been getting a lot of information, but like I just feel disconnected this this training camp. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, no, I agree, and I think it's you you kind of follow it, and then you always have the, those live practices, and then the preseason games. The preseason games is where you really you kind of read the beat reports, and I think too the fact that. It's August, and we have Flyers and Sixers up until today still going on. You know, so, so there's a lot of other things. You know, August wasn't really the time you were watching the Sixers and Flyers. And the last couple of years, the, the Phillies haven't necessarily yeah. been competitive come August. So there's, 
been a little bit of a distraction for for the time, get, just given where the other sports are uh, at this point. But I think it is the fact that you hear about these players and then you want to see them in the game. So you are watching uh, the preseason game. I, for one, I would watch the starters in the first quarter or, you know, first couple drives and then, you know, really watch to see who's going to make out the uh, the back half of the roster and just get to know maybe some of those new players. Uh, we don't get that this year with it, with no preseason game. So it'll be it's kind of interesting where we're, we're following more. Good thing for social media, right? If this happened, uh, you know, a few years back without social media and being able to follow along with uh, live tweets of training camp, we really wouldn't have a good sense for what was going on with, with the Eagles. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess that's really what it is. It's really, I mean, not not so much with the Sixers for me because I, I, I got to tell you, I, I I think I watched maybe a grand total of a game between the four of them because I was that disgusted um, at certain points with the Sixers. I, I I just can't, I can't sit there and put myself through it like I can. myself on my mic I don't even know how I smacked myself but you know that happens it's it's a it's a live pod technically it's not we're we're not here to hide anything but um yeah it's with the Sixers like I was saying it's just something that I I can't sit there and put myself through the 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 ugliness of, of an NBA game I'm just not that I guess I'm not that big of an NBA fan to sit there and do that but with the Flyers I can watch every minute and literally sweat like I'm out there um, on the on the ice with them. So I guess that is why I kind of feel disconnected with the Eagles. I'm sure in 21 days, now technically 20 when you guys uh, are listening to this um, or less, um, I will be 100% actually. I can't be 100% on the Flyers and 100% on the Eagles because I am counting on the Flyers being in um, 21 days from now. By that time, we'll probably be finishing up a, a sweep of the Bruins in the uh, in the conference finals. So that'll that'll be that'll be some some good stuff. Or the Lightning. Yeah, either one. I'll take either one. I don't really care. <laughs> Whatever the hell it is, as long as it's a sweep. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at. I mean, obviously, I, I always say "Go Birds" at the end of every uh, podcast, and I'll say it again. Um, but, but, but maybe I'll, uh, not maybe I, I just got to get myself more into more into football. I just kind of, I feel like it's late April. That, that's, that's really the problem. Yeah. Late April or, or kind of that, uh, late yeah. May yeah. timeframe. Cause you're, you're coming off after the draft and it's really that, that lull in the schedule, but, uh, it'll be here before we know it. I know, yeah, for uh, sure. certainly looking forward to, to seeing the birds. Absolutely, Tom. So it's it, it's that time of the podcast, huh? That's it. Let's do it. All right. Let's uh, let's get that now famous sounder for us. I got to tell you, it might not have been money, money, money for us last week because I, I got to tell you, I, I can't I can't really even remember the bets that I had, Tom. Um, and and I'm not going to ever find out because. That, that bet I told the podcast about last week, thinking I was going to get paid, it came out that I, I can't get paid because of some stupid stipulation. 
and I told DraftKings to go shove it. I took all my money out, and it is now all in FanDuel. So I have now moved completely over to FanDuel. I will never go back to DraftKings. Even if they have some of those crazy cool free money ones, um, I will not go back ever uh, to DraftKings. I will find somewhere else to do my bets um, if FanDuel doesn't work out as well. But it's been all right um, this week. So it's uh, it's a new week, a new new day. Won a, won a couple hundred dollars today on the UCL final. Um, so that that was that was nice to see. But last week. I'm sure I gave you the Flyers in game three. Um, that one came out, but I don't think the, any of the other ones did. Yeah, I did the Flyers in game three. I had the uh, Pacers-Miami Heat in game one, and that one went over 216. That ended up hitting at 215, so oh. that was a loss. And then I think I bet the uh, over on the Avalanche-Coyotes last week. That ended up going under, and then I went under on the Boston game. That went over, so – Yeesh. I I had a I had a rough week. I've been on a uh, a pretty rough tear, and I'm starting to see my FanDuel account start to to dwindle, dwindle down a little bit. Yeah, and you're gonna need one of those uh, players to score first, kind of a fluky fluky bet to hit something like that. Yeah, start to, to start to, to feel build, better. Start to build up the pot again. Yeah, that's 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 what it'll do. But uh. Like I said, guys, I mean, I'm going to give you some bets. I'm going to give you one for the Flyers game. I'm going to give you the over on FanDuel right now. The over is four and a half. It's a minus 180, so it's a pretty heavy favorite. I do think it's going to go over four and a half uh, this first game. Um, I, but, but I might put a little bit – I, I got to be honest. I might I might start every game putting a little bit on Carter Hart to, to get a shutout, even if it's like two or three dollars, not, nothing crazy. Um, but I might start doing that um, every game with the Flyers. But my official first bet for this week, guys, is um, the over four and a half um, for the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, and I will also be putting a bet down on the Philadelphia Flyers to get past the Islanders um, at minus 134. Um, obviously, I'm going to do that because we still have our other bets. I, that's the only time I'll go back to DraftKings because that's where my futures are. Uh, with the Flyers winning the Stanley Cup and the Eastern Conference and stuff like that. Um, so I will have to go back over there and, and take that money out, hopefully come the middle of October. Uh, but our my, my official second bet um, for the podcast uh, will be the uh, Philadelphia Phillies to go ahead and they don't play tomorrow, do they? Nope. So I can't I can't put that one on there. That's uh, that's a fun one. That's that's the only thing about FanDuel I don't like. You can't really see past like what they have on there. Like at least with DraftKings, that it kind of went out. Um, so guys, I only got two bets for you today. I got the Flyers uh, to the Flyers Islanders to go over four and a half tomorrow, and the Flyers to advance uh, to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Boston Bruins at minus uh, one thirty four. So, Tom, that's a short one. That should be an easy one for everybody to remember. Hopefully I can remember it come Thursday or Friday uh, when we record the uh, the next segment of our pod. But, Tom, you got anything good for uh, bets this week? Yeah, so I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction on that Flyer and Flyers-Islanders game. I think that it's going to be a tight game to start. Uh, the game. So I'm looking at there is a line on the period props, first period, 
money line and the first period money line to tie is plus 150. I'm thinking either way, it's either nothing, nothing after the first or both teams get a goal. Either way, I think it's going to be tight at plus 150. I kind of like the value there. So I'm going to go first period money line to be a tie uh, at plus 150. I, I think it's going to be tight one way or the other. If one team scores, I think that the other team will uh, will get one back and that we could be looking at a pretty tight first period money line there. Uh, and I'm probably going to like throw it. a little bit of money on the Flyers money line. I do think they come out and get – uh, game one from the Islanders. I'm also taking a look at that Avalanche and uh, Dallas Stars game. I do like the fact that Colorado is the better team coming on a rebound. The goalie situation does scare me a little bit. Uh, so what I might do here is I might look for the over five and a half uh, in this game. I think both teams are scoring pretty well. It's a and, pretty low number. And the, uh, the – for some reason, the ice in Edmonton has been well. We've seen a lot of high-scoring games. The over has hit pretty consistently uh, out there. And even when uh, Avalanche goalie was in, uh, Grubauer, the Coyotes Avalanche Michael. series. Michael. <laughs> uh, that, uh, that Avalanche Coyotes series hit the over quite a couple times. So I'm going to look Dallas Stars, Colorado Avalanche, over five and a half goals. That's a low, yeah. That's a pretty low total right there, Tom. That's a that's a pretty good one. I might might throw some on that as well. They really haven't strayed too far with this playoff series off of five and a yeah, half. Yeah, it's so been five it's, and a half. Yeah, and you've seen a lot of the Western Conference games go over so far in the bubble. Yeah, for sure. So that's what I got on bets for this week. So to well, recap, we're both short and sweet. Recap. Uh, I'm looking – well, I think a lot of the teams are starting to transition, so it's really yeah. – the, the Eastern – the conference semifinals are really just starting up, and uh, NBA, I think some of those series are kind of in various stages. So, keeping it short and sweet uh, this week. I do like – I'm going to throw a little bit on the Flyers' money line. I do think that they come out and win this game one. Either way, I do like the first period money line as a tie at plus 150. And then I'm taking the Avalanche and Dallas over five and a half for the game. I, I like that a lot. So that's a, that's a good one. I am going to uh, this week, I'll be looking at uh, Premier League uh, futures. Uh, and I'll also be looking at UCL league, uh, not league, UCL futures as well. Um, so I, I will be looking to, to put some bets in later this week on soccer so some of you guys um out there in england and germany that have been listening to us um if you guys are, are waiting for our bets uh, i will have and i'm sure tom will, will look at some futures as well for the prem uh, i can tell you where both of us are going for which team to win the prem next year um that's probably uh, at this point should be no no uh no question that tom will be going spurs and i'll be going city um, but but I'll also look at some uh, some other ones. Maybe uh, maybe if I can find like total goals goal scored in the season by certain teams, um, I'll look at certain teams to be relegated and to stay up and things like that. Uh, I'll be doing uh, be doing some some research. Maybe looking taking a look at that bet three six five. 
I know that's uh, that's just come over uh, to to the to the states, so I'll be be checking that out. I know that's a that's a pretty big one for soccer bets, uh, so I will be looking at that um, come uh, come the end of the week, Tom. Yeah, and of course, since we are the most popular Delco podcast in Germany, and this whole betting, this whole betting segment did start out with. Uh, betting on the Bundesliga. I do want to give mm-hmm. a shout out to our German fans that may be uh, Bayern Munich fans that uh, for their uh, Champions League win today. Of course, uh, I thought it was it was a pretty uh, was an awesome contest. I, I did think PSG was going to tie it up at the end. They had a, a couple chances. Uh, Mbappe should have should have had a hat trick. I don't know yeah, what he was thinking. Couple solid chances right at the end, but. Uh, Hey, he completely flubbed flubbed a lot of chances, but uh, Bayern Munich—they're my second favorite team out there in England, actually, out there in uh, Europe. So I, I actually liked them before I started watching the Prem, because the, uh, for for whatever reason, when I was playing FIFA back then, I I, I liked the uh, Bundesliga, um, and I, and I got got playing with uh, with the uh, the Red Machine out there, as I call them, because they are a machine, and they finally won a, another uh, another championship, another UCL championship. So uh, good for them. But uh, Tom, we're, we're we're leaving leaving the uh, the bets uh, in the rearview mirror um, for my favorite, my well probably my eh, it's probably my favorite uh, segment each week that we do, and that's our beers and, and barbecue segment. Have a knack for making motors crank, no, but I'm pretty good at drinking beer. So hand me one more, that's what I'm here for. I'm built for having a ball. I love the nightlife, I love my bud light, I like them cold. And tall. That's that. That is definitely a summer banger. I think I'm going to start switching that one up uh, with maybe uh, that's why we drink. Uh, it's a it's a it's a newer song that that came out. Um, I know pretty good at drinking beer is now ten years old, so I'll be uh, be looking to uh, to put a couple other songs in there as well. But uh, Tom, this week I am boring. I, I know it's a Sunday night. And I, I will be up at, at 6.30 to, to get on my computer by 7 for first meeting at 7.30 tomorrow. Um, but, uh, but I did decide to, to get a Golden Road uh, Wolf Pup IPA. Nice and simple IPA. This is a, a tailgate IPA, a drinkable, a crushable, a whatever you want to call it. You can drink about 40 of them and still probably feel all right. Um, although I don't condone that and, and don't suggest you go out and do that because you probably won't feel all right. But, you know, um, after a couple, you, you're still feeling uh, pretty good and, and you can do uh, do all those things that, that you're not so good at, like like mega motors crank and, and, and climbing uh, light posts and painting and stuff like that. But uh, that's my beer of the week, Tom. I know it's uh, kind of short and simple, and so is my barbecue. I did ribs. They came out great, as always. And that's literally all I did this week. <laughs> Nothing fancy, Tom. So, Mike, I'm about to probably create the first foul in our beer segment. Oh, God. Because uh, I cracked open one as we started the podcast, 
And then as we were going through the beer segment, I'm like, I think I did this one before on the beer segment. So I am <laughs> drinking Levante's Extra uh, Extra Tickle. It's part of their uh, Tickle Parts uh, series of beers. And I'm almost sure that I did this on a previous episode. I'd have to go back as I started thinking about what how I was going to describe it. And everything. Pretty sure you did, yeah. This sounds pretty familiar. But it is, you know what? <laughs> It's so good that I had to do it again. It is a pretty good double dry hopped IPA from Levante. It's part of their uh, Tickle Part series. And you know what? I still had a few uh, in the fridge from the last time. And you know what? It's Sometimes it's hard to pass up. It's, it's a pretty uh, solid beer choice. So this, this week I'm drinking uh, Extra Tickle uh, from Levante. And then from a barbecue standpoint, I also kept it simple. Just did some chicken uh, this weekend. And I would say the big thing for me was that on the pellet grill, the chicken came out just super tender and super juicy. Oh, yeah. uh, sometimes when you have it, you know, over an open flame, uh, chicken, especially chicken breast, has a tendency to dry out. This didn't uh, and still kept it its juicy consistency. So uh, turned out uh, very good. So just a, just a little bit of chicken. Uh, this week threw some threw some spices on it. Uh, gonna maybe tinker around with a little bit more and try a little bit of different rubs. Did like some uh, just some lemon herb uh, on the chicken, just a uh, fancy little sprinkling. But uh, definitely did some chicken that came out well on the smoker this week. Yeah, still still my favorite my favorite bird I ever did on the smoker was the uh, the the Cornish hen. Uh, I, I thought it was it was so small. Uh, we did brine it before, so that that probably did help it. But that was one of my favorite things I've ever done on the smoker. It was just this little little baby chicken, basically. Um, but but the breast came out nice, juicy, and tender. The the dark meat uh, there really wasn't much dark meat on the legs and the wings um, and the thighs, but it was pretty pretty decent. It's one of my favorite things to smoke is chicken. Um, we, we me, me and you we have our uh, first time I think me and you are ever in a redraft league um together so i'll be doing uh, i'll be doing some wings for our live redraft league um coming up this uh this saturday right friday or saturday sometime this week yeah at some point this week uh we'll be i'll be doing some wings for that so uh yeah it'll be uh that that'll that'll be my uh segment for the following week probably um but i do have the first pick uh, Tom, you do have the second pick, so yeah, we uh, uh, lucked out pretty well. Two out. guys on the couch uh, will be <laughs> picking at the top of the draft. Yeah, actually, this this is probably the fourth or fifth time I'm in this league. I, I kind of got away from redraft. Uh, this is now our fantasy segment. We've moved on now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Just so everybody knows, um, we we uh, I, I kind of went the. The dynasty round, uh, the dynasty way for the last, I think, three years I've been at in this league. Um, but there's there's been a, there's been an opening every every year, and I, I just kind of turn it down. Um, but this year, uh, a couple of our uh, our dynasty leagues uh, kicked the bucket, and, and they were uh, they are going to fold. Um, so I decided to get back into redraft. And the last time I was in redraft, I had the first pick, and I took David Johnson. Um, so that's the last time I was in there was when he was the number one fantasy running back. Um, and now the, uh, the next time I'm in there, I get the number one pick and I get to take Christian McCaffrey. So, uh, happy days. Mike is graciously going to live, leave, uh, Saquon Barkley to me. And I cannot be more excited because I, uh, 
I do think he is actually going to be the number one fantasy running back uh, this year line? over McCaffrey. Yeah, we'll see. That line is terrible. I, I think – and, and you know me, I love Saquon. <laughs> I think they've improved their line. I think we'll be surprised by their line this year. So Yeah, I, I, I got my uh, – I probably won't have Christian McCaffrey by opening day, but I'll be taking him number one. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, last time, last time I had the number one pick, I had some great offers and I turned it down. and And David Johnson got hurt pretty early that that year and didn't really do much. But uh, uh, yeah, the, the the number one pick is basically up for sale. Uh, I will be trading Christian McCaffrey for uh, for hopefully a couple other uh, good players that'll that'll help my lineup. My my my, my thing with um with redraft, Tom. I, I don't know if you feel this. I I do like being in that number one spot or being in that number two spot, but man, I really wanted that number nine spot. I, I, I think the last time I won a redraft league, I was in the number nine spot and you just, you get two of the top 12 or in, in our league, it would be two of the top 16 players um, in the, in the league. And, and maybe it's the top seven, whatever it is. Um, but, but it's, it's two really good, workhorses and, and and if you do it right you can get a top running back still at number nine and, and when when you come back around in our league i think it's pick number 15 or something 14 something like that uh, whatever the hell it comes out to yeah, you can yeah, yeah you, you can get it you can get a sweet wide receiver at that point and you're pretty much set and then then you're not you're not waiting forever i i'm getting the first pick and then i gotta wait 20 picks but at time if this is on saturday by the time i get to to that next pick i'll be drunk <laughs> i don't know who the hell i'm uh drafting but uh that's uh, that's kind of how it is i i believe the uh the number three pick is uh is a cowboys fan so we know it's going Christian McCaffrey, Saquon, and uh, Zeke in our league. So that'll be uh, that'll be and interesting I, to see. And I who think comes that's how many uh, many redraft leagues are going uh, at yeah, this point. I think they is. are they are the three at the top of most drafts. They're almost in a in a tier of their own. I think a oh, lot yeah. of people have them as that. That's the tier mm-hmm. uh, for running back. So pretty much, if you get one of them, you, you're going to do pretty well. You're getting one of the top three running backs. I mean, you can't really complain. You still got to fill out the rest of your roster, though. That's that's the one problem that I always have at, at number one. I, ha- I I sit there, I, I have all my, my sheets, and this is what's going to happen, and that never happens. But um, my, my thing was I went at number nine because I wanted Kenyon Drake um, coming, coming around in that number 16 spot. I don't know who I was going to take at number nine. I might have had to take Drake at number nine, but I, that wasn't going to be my plan. But that that was my whole plan was to to take a to take a stud and hopefully a stud. Um, but that's not happening now. So uh, I'll take Christian McCaffrey and hopefully coming back around at number twenty, there's there's someone decent out there. Maybe Miles Sanders is there. Won't be because it's a homer league. So yeah, <laughs> maybe, I... maybe he'll be there. <laughs> We'll see. I think you're going to be into kind of that RB two. Eh, remains to be seen. I haven't I haven't drafted yeah. with these guys, uh, so this is this is a new league for me as well. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I agree. I have a tendency to like. It's interesting. May, maybe not as far down as nine, but you know that kind of that five six hole. I think is sometimes uh, five holes. Pretty, nice too. Pretty uh, pretty valuable spot. You're still getting that top five player. 
and then you're you're able to kind of beat the you know it, especially if those top five are then looking for a wide receiver or something like that you're able to get in front of them with uh with your pick so we'll see remains to be seen how it plays out yeah, it'll be fun. Um, I don't know when we're going to do our pod next, but I know it will be before the draft. So by by then, I'll probably have a completely different outlook um, on, on who who I'm taking. At, at I, I I'm pretty well set on 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 McCaffrey at at one, um, but at that at that what's it two twenty? No, for us it'll be the two uh, pick number twenty four in the draft. Yeah, um, coming back for me so. Uh, it's it's a pretty long way, 23 picks, but uh, we'll see. Um, maybe I can pull it out with that back-to-back at 24 and 25 um, with the snake-style draft. So maybe I uh, maybe I get another top running back and maybe one of the uh, one of the better quarterbacks. I, I don't think. Obviously, I, I think Mahomes and and Lamar are going to go pretty high. Um, so we'll, we'll see who who is there coming back around, or maybe I just go uh, running back, running back, wide receiver, and worry about quarterback way later on in the draft. But uh, I got I got five days to figure that out, Tom. Yeah, that's the thing. You just you need to really see who's available and then just kind of rethink your strategy. I think sometimes, you, you know, going best player available is sometimes what really works. I think yeah. the interesting thing is, you really have to – you have those picks that are close back-to-back, and you really have to think about, all right, the tiers become a little bit more important because you don't want to be uh, completely dry on a particular tier for a certain player by the time it gets all the way back to you. Usually but, that's tight end for me because I always forget about them. There you go. I'll be drafting tight end in the last pick. <laughs> It'll be awful. So what happened to me the last time I had the, the first pick. It was like, oh, shit, completely forgot about tight end. So here I am. But, there's, uh, no, one, there's no one thing kickers that, in this league, which is good. No kickers, but there is defense, so that's that's different. Yep. Um, and I, I know this league, uh, scoring-wise with, with quarterbacks, is probably a little different out there. Um, and, uh, you get points for completions, and you get um, point deductions for incompletions. So it's it's a it's a little different than, than than some of the other leagues out there, but but this league I know Lamar Jackson. I think he scored. Uh, I think the commi- the commissioner told me uh, 480 points or something like that. So he was trying to kind of balance the quarterback uh, scoring system out um, to to kind of kind of go with those guys to maybe maybe not like the Jameis Winston type who, who last year would throw would go 20 for 50 but have like 500 yards and five touchdowns. Um, so that, that he was kind of kind of trying to balance it out for someone who has good quarterback play as, as compared to someone who has fantasy quarterback play. Uh, I, I don't know if you've been in a league like that, but I was kind of yeah, I mean, going I, back and forth with him. I think that's a one rule of, of any fantasy is you really have to know how the points are, are earned uh, in your particular yeah. league, especially – you know, obviously PPR, half point PPR. I mean, that's kind of the easiest one at this point. But you have to take a look at, you know, kind of how touchdowns are scored versus rushing yards, right? You know, our first downs part. First of downs are points in our league yeah. too, yes. Yeah. So then you, there's a premium on that guy that that's just getting the ball at third. Tight and ends, right? You know, or or tight ends, right? They're 
yeah. it almost builds a, a premium on those players. So yeah, definitely yeah. you need to make sure you understand how the how the scoring works in your league, and if you're able to get tailored cheat sheets or whatever that you use that uh that are are tailored towards your league scoring, I think that just puts you in that much better of a position. Yeah, for sure. But it, it'll be fun. I'm excited. I'm glad to go head to head with you in a league because it doesn't look like our our other league is going to survive, but but at least we are still in some sort of a league together. There you go. Absolutely. All right. So, so I that think was our first fantasy segment. How'd there you, like you go. It? We'll have to uh, we'll have to talk a little bit more fantasy as the season goes on, and we'll yeah, for sure. let you guys know how uh, how each of us make out at our draft. Absolutely. All right. So anything else we want to cover today, Mike? No, I think that pretty much does it. We did all four sports. We did beers, barbecue, bets, and fantasy football. There you go. So thank you, as always, uh, for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget, check us out on social media, our Twitter page, at OnDelco. Keep it locked there because we will be hopefully uh, hearing some announcements about uh, Brett Brown uh, no longer being the Sixers head coach uh, pretty soon. Check us out there on Twitter, also at our Facebook page, On a Couch and Delco. And then wherever you listen to the podcast at Apple uh, iTunes or uh, Apple Podcast or Stitcher or where Anchor, wherever you're at. I know we're on pretty much every yep. uh, a, uh, podcast platform except I'm going to try to get better with sending out all the links because I, I was getting feedback from some people. Um, they don't listen to it on Apple. They listen to it on Spotify. Can I send that link? So tomorrow when I send this out in the morning, I am going to try to figure out how to get multiple links. It's really hard on Twitter because you are you're got that 180 characters or 160 characters, whatever it is. Facebook, I can put a whole whole novel on there, so I can put all of them on there. It's, it's, the, it's the Twitter post where we get most of our listeners from. Um, that's the one that's going to be a little tough. So guys, I do hear it out there. I do see the tweets. I see the, the, uh, the messages, uh, and the, the sub tweets and stuff like that. So trying to get it out there. I'm trying to get it as easy as possible with the Apple, um, link, but those links are so long that I can only put one or two in there. All right, but we'll definitely get it out there. So this way, uh, wherever you do like to listen to us, uh, you, you can definitely have the quick link there in Twitter or Facebook. But uh, as always, and don't forget the five-star reviews if you're so inclined on, I think, Apple Podcasts. And they all do five it. Star, let, let us know how we're doing and, and how we can improve. Or, hey, if you just think it's great and uh, you just want to leave that five-star review, it certainly appreciates and helps get the word out there about the podcast. Absolutely. So for that, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. And as always, Sign Both JT liars. and sign JT. We can't say go Sixers anymore, but go Birds. Birds. <laughs>